0: I pray that you would speak to people beyond even what I say, Lord, that you would touch people's hearts. I pray that faith would rise in our hearts in this place. Whoever's watching online, either now or later, and may each one know, Lord, their divine purpose and destiny for this day and this hour. We thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing in and through us individually and corporately in Jesus' mighty name, we pray amen amen and amen all right well thank you to the worship team Eli first time here on uh, the keyboards thank you so good so good and uh, just like I I love what uh, I love you may be seated some of you are already seated (laughs) some of you are more obedient than others um I, I love what Jacob uh, says uh, when he says, some of you are musicians out here. What are you hiding? Uh, but the reality is that there are you know, many gifted people in our church, both here and that aren't here today, and we're building our team, our worship team, and we'd love you if you can play an instrument. You can make sure that you let us know uh, and uh, there's room for you. So, so glad that that team is growing. How you doing? Good. You watching the Olympics? Good. It's been some good, uh, good stuff happening. It's kinda, kind of, kind uh, of different uh, without the crowd, but it's happening, and that's good. Um, And you think about how much hard work people put in, training and getting ready. Well, the good news is the next Olympics is only three years away (laughs) because it got delayed a year. So so they're going to be ready. They can have a second go coming up real soon. All right. Well, I want to take, get, jump straight into the word this morning because uh, I started a series, a little couple of weeks ago called Rest and and Recreation. (laughs) No, Rest and Restoration. Just checking, Rest and Restoration. And uh, we uh, touched on this because two Sundays ago was our 15th anniversary as a church. And 15 in the Bible is the number of rest and restoration. And if you want to find out why, Listen to the podcast from two weeks ago, and you can find out there. But I'm kind of in this morning's message, I want to morph together or I want to blend together the end of the previous series that I was speaking on, which was called uh, Beneficiaries and Thank You. Some of you were listening. Beneficiaries and Benefactors and Rest and restoration. And I want to morph, kind of blend these two together, bring to conclusion uh, the, the um, beneficiaries and benefactors series with, in a sense, a continuation transitioning into rest and restoration. Does that make sense? So just to recap a little bit, last week I touched on a few things um, that I want to highlight. First of all, One of the things we need to know is that God is a God of rest and restoration, and He wants to bring each and every one of us into a place of rest, and He wants each and every one of us to experience restoration. That's His promise for you, not just the person sitting next to you, not just me, but for you personally. And if you read the Bible from the book of Genesis all the way through to Revelation, you'll find that what was lost by Adam and Eve Anyone want to have a conversation with Adam and Eve when you get to heaven? You think you've blown it? Hey, nothing compared to Adam and Eve. There's some, there's some hope in that, isn't there? Um, when what Adam and Eve blew and lost in the garden in Genesis, you find restored in Revelation. That's the theme of the Bible, God's a God of rest and restoration. However, God does not give us rest through the absence of turmoil. He doesn't give us rest through the absence of difficult seasons. He gives us rest in those times of turmoil and in those times of difficulty. Good news for us who've just been navigating what has been a very different season So God wants to give us rest in that. The other thing is that when we think about restoration, restoration doesn't mean that God will remove all of our problems and that He will replace whatever's been lost. No, it means that He will bring restoration to what's been lost in the midst of maybe a difficult season or a difficult time That God will restore to us the joy of our salvation, the joy of our relationships. God will restore to us what has been lost in other ways that will, in a sense, restore double what was lost before. Hard for us sometimes to understand, but restoration doesn't necessarily look exactly the same as what has been lost. Does that make sense? So last week I was touching on that and I talked about how in the 70 years that the nation of Israel or Judah were in captivity uh, in Babylon, God told them during that season, you're going to be there 70 years. You can't change that time frame. That's my time frame I've set, 70 years. But during that time, I'm going to restore to you what you've lost, not going to bring you back till Jerusalem and restore you till Jerusalem until the end of the 70 years. But in that 70 years, you can experience rest, and you can experience restoration. So that's good news for us. You know, we are in at Babylon in the Bible, just in case you're wondering, Babylon, how does that relate to us? Babylon in the Bible speaks of the world system. The cosmos, the world system that we're in. And so God's saying, in the world system that you're in, you can experience rest. Hey, in the midst of all this turmoil, in the midst of all the noise, in the midst of all that's happening, you can experience rest, and you can experience restoration of all that you've lost. So I want to move on from here. Because one of the most important things that we need to remember, and remembering that this year, our theme for this year, 2021, is the word presence. God's presence makes all the difference. Our presence makes all the difference. That God presences himself generationally. God presences himself generationally. And, and uh, here is the, the thought that I I want us to have. Um, Here's the big idea. We can't experience lasting rest and restoration unless we live generationally. Thank you for that underwhelming response. But I know it's because you're thinking and you're letting that thought settle in your heart. We cannot experience rest and restoration unless we live generationally. We can't experience lasting rest and restoration in our community unless we live generationally. Lasting rest and restoration can never take place when we're just living for ourselves and we're just living for the moment. So much of the world in which we live is living for the moment, is living for ourselves, but in actual fact, the reality is that God is wanting us to live beyond ourselves and not just live for the moment. So if we don't teach the values that our forefathers and that Those who went before us, and I'm talking about the Judeo-Christian ethic, the Word of God that has been passed down to us from generation to generation. If we're not passing that down to the next generation, we will not, they will not experience rest or restoration. Does that make sense? For example, can anyone argue with the Ten Commandments? Some people may argue with the first four, but no one that I know argues with the last six. The first four are to do with our relationship with God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall honor the Lord and keep, you know, the the seventh day set it apart. But the, the next six, does anyone argue with this? Thou shalt not murder, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Does anyone argue with that? If we were to throw that out and not pass those values down generationally, I guarantee there will be no rest or restoration in the next generation or the generation that follows it. So if we're going to experience rest and we're going to experience restoration, we need to live generationally. Matthew 2, 37, the new test in the, Jesus said, these are the two great commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments, rest all the law and the prophets. What if we were to throw that out and then we were to say, well, that." is not something that we're going to pass down to the next generation, guaranteed the next generation are not going to experience rest or restoration because those two commandments lie at the very core and are fundamental to you and I experiencing the life that God wants us to experience when we're connected to Him and connected to each other in a loving, caring, empowering kingdom environment. So we have to live generationally if we're going to experience rest. And I want to take a moment to look at a, a period in history, probably one of the darkest periods of history in, 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 nation, in, in Israel's history, um, which is in the book of Judges. If you remember, the uh, Israelites, nation of Israel, were in captivity for 400 years. God speaks to Moses in the wilderness, and he goes back to Egypt, of course, the plagues take place, the nation of Israel is released by Pharaoh, and they go out into the wilderness for 40 years. So, 400 years of captivity, 40 years in the wilderness, followed by 400 years of possession of the land before Saul, Solomon, and David, the first three kings of the nation of Israel. And... So, during this time, after the nation of Israel had gone into the Promised Land, and of course, we remember that it was Joshua who took them into the Promised Land, during that time, uh, there there was generational failure that took place, and what happened was they experienced rest, and they experienced restoration, but only occasionally, and the reason for that is found in the book of Judges, chapter 2, and it gives an explanation of what happened. God took them into the land, and God said, I want to give you this land, and I want you to know rest in the land, and I also want to restore to you everything that was lost in your captivity in Egypt. But what happened is they, they experienced periodic periods of rest, periodic periods of restoration, and it was all because they failed to live generationally. And this is important because I'm getting somewhere with this about how you and I can live practically generationally. This is what happened. It said after that generation died, this is Joshua's generation, Judges chapter 2 verse 10. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. So what happens is one generation follows God, and then the other generation stops following God. They forget what they've been taught, or then they were not taught what they needed to be. They didn't pass down the truths, the values, the culture that was Fundamentally important to them experiencing rest and restoration. They fail to pass that on to the next generation. And this is what happens. And in the book of Judges, you find seven cycles of five things that happen. Seven cycles that we find in this, and this is just one of them that I want to share with you when you in your own study time or your own when you're looking at the Bible. Check through the book of Judges, the seven cycles. Uh, and, And each of them have five stages. First of all, rebellion. Rebellion. Secondly, retribution. God brings judgment. Retribution, he brings judgment as a result of their rebellion. Then the people repent. They cry out to God. And then after the repentance, there's restoration, and then there's rest. And then the cycle continues. Rebellion, retribution, repentance. Restoration, rest. Rebellion, retribution. By now you'd have thought that they'd have learned a lesson. And every time that they rebel, God brings a nation to judge them. They cry out to God, and then God raises up a judge who delivers them, and then they experience rest. And I won't read the passage because time doesn't permit, but in Judges chapter 3, verses 7 to 11, if you're taking notes... um, uh, there's in that four, I'll, I'll read it because it's four verses. It says, So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherahs. Rebellion. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan Rishathaim for eight years. Retribution. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the children of Israel who delivered them. They cried out to the Lord, repentance, raised up a deliverer, restoration. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He went out to war and delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand and prevailed over him. So the land had rest for 40 years. And these cycles go on. Seven of them. The problem was a a failure of a generational continuum. Each generation simply lived for their own day, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so the principle that I want to focus on here when we think about our lives as beneficiaries and benefactors, we're beneficiaries of people that have gone before us. We've talked about that. We're beneficiaries of their faith. We're beneficiaries of the resource that's been handed down to us generationally. We're beneficiaries of other previous generations' experience. And I touched on that a few weeks ago. And I want to continue with that in that thread in the moments that we have to look at how we can pass on that experience that we have been beneficiaries of to the next generation. The problem here was that did not take place. And God wants us, every one of us, to be awakened. I'm gonna say that again, awakened, to the fact that he created us, not only to be beneficiaries, but benefactors you have something to invest in the next generation doesn't matter how old you are there's a generation coming up after you doesn't matter how little experience you have you have something to share you're one grade ahead of your siblings in in school you had an experience they haven't had that they can benefit from so God wants us to be beneficiaries. He wants us to have this generational concept and continuum that we're a part of. And the biggest lie of the enemy is this, that we are disqualified because of our mistakes. The enemy wants to tell you, what have you got to say? How can you invest in someone else? How can you... Disciple someone else. How can you invest it? Look at all of your mistakes. Look at all of your failings. Well, the reality is the Word of God says that every one of us has sinned. Every one of us falls short of the glory of God. Every one of us has made mistakes. But the reality is that, nevertheless, because of God's grace, because of God's forgiveness, because of God's love for each and every one of us. We, all of us, are qualified in Christ to be able to impart and to invest something and leave a rich legacy of faith and of resource and experience in the next generation. So one of the greatest examples of this is found in, in, in uh, Paul and Timothy. And I want to take a moment to, to look at this. Uh, It's one of the greatest models in the Bible. Of course, Jesus invested in his disciples for three years. Um, But there's a passage in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2 that I want to read. And in this passage, uh, we we have the, the the, the basic fundamentals of what I want to touch on in the moments that we have. Paul is speaking to his son in the faith, faith, son in the faith son in the faith, Timothy. And Timothy, he's investing into Timothy. So we're talking about experience here. He's investing faith, resource, and experience. He says to Timothy, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I want to I want to encourage you to take a moment to look at this verse. And beyond just these moments that I'm covering it now, whether it's in your life group, the coming week, or whether it's in your own personal devotional time, or time when you contemplate and think, think about the three things that are in here that Paul is talking about that are relevant to each and every one of us. If we are living generationally with an intent to bring rest and restoration to our world, and the first of these is um, the first of these is uh, be strong. Be strong in your faith. The starting point of anything of any lasting value is to be strong in our faith. Paul says to Timothy, "Be strong in the grace that is in the Lord Jesus Christ." Well. I am not going to be able to invest anything of lasting value if I'm not strong in my faith. If I am wishy-washy, if I don't have any absolutes, if I'm swayed by cultural trends, if I'm swayed by opinion, if I'm swayed by my fears or worries or The circumstances of my life, if I'm not strong in faith, I'm not going to be able to be someone who can steadfastly invest in those that are coming through. And in particular, if I'm not strong in my faith, maybe what I'm communicating to people is not not communicating the purity of the vision and mission that Jesus has for his world, So, what I've learned over the years in our our church and through our own experience, and many organizations or many businesses will find this, that most businesses, most organizations experience mission drift. What's mission drift? Mission drift is that you set your course, and then over a period of time, because one reason or another, maybe maybe the focus is not as intense, or new people are coming into the organization who don't understand the culture. That mission drift it begins to drift, and all you've got to do is get off course one degree. And if you're on a flight from Sydney, Australia, to uh, Los Angeles, and you're one degree off course, you're probably going to end up somewhere in who knows where but a long way away from Los Angeles, that's for sure. So, we have to be strong in our faith. What am I teaching my kids? If I don't read my Bible, what can I impart? I have a 13-year-old daughter who's being baptized next Sunday. She asks me questions all the time. Some questions I can't answer about eternity, about heaven, about who created God, about what's going to happen to this world, this earth, this globe that we are spinning on when God creates a new heaven and a new earth. How can I impart to her my experience if I'm not strong in my faith? And the only way that I can be strong in my faith is by Reading my, the basics. Just the basics. The last two months. Okay, so anyone have kind of the COVID munchies over the last year and a half? Over the last year and a half, I just kind of just, I just enjoyed eating. So there came a moment when I had to beat my body into subjection through exercise and diet and calorie control and I did it. And I'd just gone back to the basics and the results, uh, I'm enjoying the results. But it's because my, I had a mission drift when it came to my focus about my physical kind of intake of food. As an example, be strong. The only way we can impart is if we're strong in our faith. So first of all, how can I invest in the next generation? As a church, we need you to invest in the next generation. You mean me? Surely you're talking about him and him and him and him. No, talking about you. You have something that you can invest in the next generation that are coming through. Whether you're in life group, whether you're in a On a team where you're serving whether you are um, someone who's investing in someone else coming through in their faith the second thing is this find faithful people so Paul's telling Timothy find faithful people because he if you're going to invest in someone find someone who's faithful Here's the interesting thing, when Elijah went looking for someone to invest in, he found Elisha. What was Elisha doing when Elijah found him? He was plowing a field. He was being faithful with what God had given him to do. When Jesus went looking for disciples and he went down by the shores of the Sea of Galilee, what did he find? He found some fishermen, Peter, James, and John, who were mending their nets, and he called them. He found faithful people who were being faithful with what they're doing. If you're going to invest in someone, I encourage you to find faithful people to invest in so you're not pouring all of your time and effort into a bucket with a great big hole in the bottom. Because faithful people will be teachable and take on board what you want to invest in them. Find faithful people. Paul said, God found me faithful and appointed me to the ministry. And there's all types of mentorship and I won't get into that. My wife's doing her master's right now and she's been doing a, a, a... part of that course on mentorship which has been very interesting but find faithful people so first of all be strong in the faith secondly find faithful people thirdly invest in them Paul says the things you've heard from me among many witnesses commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also commit invest Invest in other people. I want to ask you a question. When it comes to investment, who are the people that you're investing in? Well, hopefully, you're investing in your marriage, you're investing in your spouse if you're married, you're investing in those important relationships, you're investing in your kids, you're investing in your workplace. But we need to be investing. In others coming through to the next generation, beyond our own personal circle, but as a part of the community of faith that we're a part of, it's so vitally important that we do that. And and uh, in the New King James Version, it says, "Commit what you've learned to faithful people." New International Version: "Entrust uh, the." The Passion Translation, deposit. All those three words are significant. Commit, entrust, deposit, invest. And in the Amplified it says, Entrust as a treasure to reliable and faithful men. Entrust, invest, commit, and develop. And then it goes on from there after investing what you've learned goes on to say invest what you've learned and teach them to teach others also. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples. He said to them go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and lo I'm with you always. Teaching people to teach others is the key to us being beneficiaries who are benefactors, who are living generationally to bring rest and restoration. I want to bring rest and restoration to my kids. All of my kids have grown up and now left home except for one and right now she's my focus, 13 years old. I'm investing in her so that she can experience rest. I'm investing in her so that she can experience restoration. But I'm also investing in her so she can invest in others. And right now she's serving every week in kids and she's investing in younger kids who are coming through as a 13 year old. She's investing. I'm investing in her. She's investing in others. Those other kids are gonna invest in others. And Jesus told his disciples, "Make disciples make disciples who will make disciples, who will make disciples, who will make disciples because they're living generationally and they're imparting their faith, their resource and their experience so the next generation can come through teach others Paul says who will teach others 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 others. and when you get to heaven and you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and he gives you your reward you'll only see the first generation now But when you get to heaven, you'll see the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, the tenth, the eleventh, the twelfth, the thirteenth, and on and on and on. Because what you invested in them is going to be reproduced in others. God is looking for a people who will live generationally to bring rest and restoration. Because the Bible tells us that of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end and I love this I'm closing with this verse Daniel chapter 4 and verse 3 how great are his signs and how mighty his wonders his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion from generation to generation we are a generational people who can only fulfill our purpose and destiny if we live generationally and God wants to bring rest to you and restoration to you so that you can help the next generation experience that rest and restoration we are living from generation to generation as beneficiaries and benefactors so that his name can be glorified. Can you say amen to that? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Give Jesus a big hand of praise this morning. I want to take a moment to pray. Thank you. I want to take a moment to pray for you. And then we're going to sing a chorus of this song just for a moment. Father God, I thank you for every person in this place. You created us with a divine purpose, not just to live in a sliver of time, but to live within the continuous momentum of your divine plan and purpose from the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden through to that great city that you reveal in the book of Revelation, from the beginning to the end. And in the middle, you planted us and placed here in this moment of time. We don't want to squander this moment. We don't want to let this moment go by without laying hold of the divine purpose that you have for each one of us, that we might live beyond ourselves, that we might not live just for the moment, but that we might live generationally. Help us to invest in the next generation as others have invested in us. And I pray, Lord, for us personally and for us as a church, that we might go from strength to strength because we're strong in our faith, because we're finding faithful people, because we are teaching them the things that we have learned, and because we are teaching them to teach others. Help us, O Lord, to bring glory to your name, because your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and it is from generation to generation. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's worship God for a moment together. I will arise, I will arise As Christ was raised to life just as we close this morning if you're here today or you're watching online and you've never ever made a conscious decision to accept Christ as your Savior to ask God to forgive your sins, to wipe your slate clean so that you can be restored to right relationship with your Heavenly Father. We want to give you an opportunity today to come home, come home to your Heavenly Father who is Waiting with open arms to forgive and to embrace you so that you can discover the divine purpose that you were created by God to experience and know, and that you can fulfill your God given purpose and destiny in relationship with Jesus Christ. And all you have to do this morning is simply to accept the free gift that God has made available because Jesus died on the cross to take the penalty of our sins upon Himself so that we could go free. No penalty to pay. The price has been paid in full. And all you have to do is to accept that as a free gift and then to invite Jesus and His Spirit to come into your heart and life. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that by praying this simple prayer. And if you want to do that this morning, it's the greatest thing you can ever do god promises you and me and all of us the gift of eternal life if we accept what jesus did for us and receive him as our savior and our lord we want to give you that opportunity today why don't you pray with us it's the greatest thing you can ever do come on let's pray together heavenly father i come to you today in the name of jesus And I ask you to forgive me. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior and my Lord. I thank you that I am now a new creation. I will never be the same again. And I determine in my heart that I will live to honor you. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, and amen.